Cloud. Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome back to another conversation at the Bitcoin Stoa. For any first-time listeners here today, the Bitcoin Stoa is a community-funded platform. So if you enjoy listening, you can support the project by sending some sats to the QR code on our homepage at bitcoinstoa.com, or you can stream some sats using something like the Breeze app, which has a really badass podcast feature. Uh, if you find the information useful, share it with people you know who are curious about Bitcoin. That's how we uh, progress into a Bitcoin future together. Uh, current Moscow time is 2067 at 713386. And with that said, it is my honor to welcome Jeff Booth, who has kindly offered his time this morning to have a conversation. Jeff, welcome to the STOA. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, so I first heard about you from Greg Foss, who not only recommended your book, but insisted that I read it. Uh, <laughs> the book you wrote called The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future. And uh, it was a very vivid memory because he literally explicitly said it's the best book he's ever read and essential reading. And I would like to pass on that message because I think it is a, a very powerful book if you truly want to learn deeply from it. And I've gone through it like one and a half times and I still pick up little nuggets. So uh, to any listeners out there, grab a copy eventually because it is very powerful stuff. And thank you for writing that, Jeff. Uh, thanks a lot. I should put Greg on payroll, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. I mean, he's, uh, he's like, your, he's a mega fan. And uh, I, I get it. Um, he's, be, he's, become, he's become a very good friend of mine uh, through this. Yeah. yeah, he was saying that you guys took a road trip down to um, down to Maine. And it's like, there's nothing like a road trip to bond two humans together. Yeah, so. yeah and actually, that was to Bretton Woods. That was to, a, to, to, to what, what is the financial world going to look like uh, in the future here? So. Okay, wow. Um, so maybe as a first time guest, a good place to start is to hear your Bitcoin story. Um, you know, when and how Bitcoin found you and any significant moments along the way uh, leading up to today, any way you want to tell it, I'd love to hear it. Uh, so so I, I had bought Bitcoin before writing the book, but as you know, uh, but, but, but not, I, I wouldn't say I was all in. I, would, I bought a little bit of Bitcoin before writing the book. And actually, even at the end of the book, there's there's one paragraph in the book on Bitcoin. It's not a Bitcoin book. It's a right. structure of the world and what's gonna what's gonna work. Uh, work. And I have to say, even after probably throughout the writing of the book, um, I continued to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> then a, a, a lot more, um, but because I realized there were little options from the existing system. But I was still open. I was still, um, I was still open to. What, were there other options to be able to transition from one system that must fail mm -hmm. to another to another system um, that was? I, I don't like to say congruent with where we're going as humans, um, and and there wasn't. So I kept buying and I kept buying and, uh, and, and still today keep buying. And I, I, and I guess what I would say is I become more and more convinced uh, that it's the only path um, to the other side. The, the, or, or there's other paths, but those paths are not, not paths that I think I want my kids to grow up in that type of world. Mm. Yeah, that's the that's an interesting statement. And I, I agree. I mean, there are, there's always many paths. Um, but there often is an optimal path when you have a cohesive enough understanding of like, what are we actually walking through? Like, what are we going? Where are we coming from? Where are we going to? Um, and, you know, let's start with, I'm going to quote a tweet that you made, because I'd like to hear your perspective on how Bitcoin changes everything. Because you know, that 
that um, sentence, fix the money, fix the world. It's literally written on my chest. Um, went from a meme for me, like in the Bitcoin space to actually like a statement that carries a lot more weight and a lot more um, reality to me, the more I kind of learned about things. But the tweet is, quote, when technology gives us a superior way of doing things, we change, even though it's hard to believe from our current observation point within a system. For the first time in history, that superior technology has come to money and it changes everything else. Hashtag Bitcoin, end quote. So I would love to hear you unpack that a bit and sort of hear your perspective on why and how Bitcoin changes everything. So, so I want to start by saying uh, that that tweet is absolutely true, right? And Bitcoin fixes everything is is, is true, um, but it's hard to grasp for a lot of people. It's so hard to grasp because they're living in a system that is exactly built the opposite way, um, and and I, and and probably the greatest fear I have for Bitcoin is Bitcoiners underestimate the power of the state. Um, to create more and more fear and control over people and people will give up their individual rights and freedoms voluntarily along that path. Well, we're seeing it, right? Like and, we're literally living that right now. And it must be, for, uh, it's, it's a function of the system. Whether, and no person in that system could change that system. It is a function of the system. That's what it'll, uh, what it'll look like. And so, so when you understand Bitcoin, as deeply as obviously you do, and as deeply as I do, it's easy to create memes and everything around uh, where, where Bitcoin uh, it, it is. But if you're trapped in fear in the existing system, and somebody is so polar the other the other way, you don't see the meme. Right. So, so understanding human nature is a huge part of, um, or you don't. It actually, in some cases, polarizes people more the other way. And, 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 and by doing so empowers the state more. So, so, so it's not, um, anyways, I wouldn't say that, that first, human nature is, a, is, our, uh, is probably the biggest thing both for Bitcoin and against Bitcoin um, in, uh, in this. Um, and because we are fighting a transition that humanity has never gone through before. Um, and, and, and that transition largely caused by two systems fighting uh, fighting against each other. One tech driven by technology that wants to technology and the free market that wants to bring prices down. And every one of us votes with our time to use that technology. So, and I mean, everyone all over the globe is trying to do what they can do to get more value in their lives. It's why we're using this Zoom meeting. And this Zoom meeting is touching thousands of other people. And 10 years ago, you couldn't have done this. We, choo we choose the best technology to do that, and it drives prices down. That system is fighting a system that, that is built on credit. And if you have a contraction in credit, you have a depressionary you'll have a depressionary spiral and will take the entire system down. And, and so if you allow, allow what I'm talking about, the free market and prices coming down to, to take hold, all of the credit, which, it, which the entire economy is based on, people think they have money in the bank. It's a credit note in the bank. And, and so the banks would close. They, they, and this would cascade across the world. And, and so you have, 
a bunch of Bitcoin, printing money, printing money, printing money, which is inflation, which is the opposite side of that thing. But you'd have to ask yourself, who in the government or central bank or anything else, which politician, no matter if you elected a new one, would would advocate letting the entire system crash? Yeah. And so, so because into that void of letting this entire system crash would rise dictators. And they would convince you that it's that person's fault and they would take and they would take power a different way. So that's door number one. Door number two is the door we're playing currently. Keep on inflating the dollars away um, and, and drive prices up and, and run financial repression on humanity. And so what ends up happening in that, that, that has to concentrate more power in government, more control in government. And if you think through some of the various things in that so as people rise up look at what's happening in san francisco today as people rise up to rob loot stores and everything uh, there other people will vote for increased police to be able to protect them so we give away our and, and why are those people rising up why there's so much homelessness why is there because because effectively on one side we're taking in, inflation is wage deflation so, so we're taking away those people's ability to live. And, and there's way more of them than the small amount of people at the top and they're rising up. So you, so you run in this social experiment where people will, both people on both sides of, uh, of that issue, rich and poor, will vote for different, different people to reset the playing field. Because that reset can't come from the existing system, on both sides of that, it just looks like a power grab. And so, so those, so that we have two systems colliding against each other, one that wants to make prices go down, one that requires prices to go up. In an environment um, that naturally will bring prices down. Ex exactly. And, and what would happen if you kept on running that, that, that experiment, it would get worse and worse and worse. And if you look at the signposts all around the world, you can see it gets worse and worse and worse throughout the, the throughout the world. They're everywhere, and once you and typically what ends up happening in these through hist a historical lens is um, is you vote in somebody else who blames a, an individual group of people in, inside your country. Right. Um, they they change constitution to take more control. When 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 they can't fix it through that means they have to kind of move the problem to it's somebody else's fault another country so when you see what's happening in the u.s or in canada or any anywhere around the world you're seeing through that lens that's what's happening all around the world and you're also seeing the next evolution of this with china and the u.s or russia and and, and ukraine, ukraine right now or russia and china and in the u.s you're seeing the next evolution of what must happen through the existing system lens and that terrifies me. It, it also ter it terrifies it, it terrifies me that that worse than just that it terrifies me what most people will believe from that system. And I, and I'll give you an example. If you look at across all of the street marches in Europe and 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 all over, all over the world, all the people rising up, millions of them all over the world trying to get their free freedoms. 
what the state will do with with all of those marches is increase its police force. Right. It has an immune system reaction it has immune to counterbalancing to, 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 to counterbalance, so, which must and 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 people when people are live in fear, um, they can't see optionality. They can't. So their their minds close, and that's just a natural response. Yeah, so they're in survival has, mode. They're in survival mode. So you will see more and more of this, and people people don't see it coming. They change their minds, and they then they get they get matter and matter and, and, and through this and you start to have that revolution um, it, it, uh, happen as as you transfer more control to the uh, to the state. And as I watch these protests, I can't help but wonder um, if all of these people just bought Bitcoin, the state would be defunded. It would look different. It would look that you'd have the most peaceful march across to what the new world would look like. But, but many of those people don't know that. Um, they don't know how important Bitcoin is as a, as a transfer from one system to another. And, and so, so, so you, you have this accelerating around the world. Yeah. And it's a, I mean, it's not a, it's a very hard situation to be in, right? There's no like, oh, well, they should be doing this and that would solve it. It's like, there's no, like, how long ago do you think um, an, a, I'm not going to say non-chaotic because it's always this, this system being corrected would always be a chaotic action, right? Like you're tearing down an existing institution, which has lasted a long time. How long ago could we have unwound this without uh, essentially being forced to create more money? Because at this point, it's like, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners say, well, stop printing money, stop creating money. And it's like, if that, if they do that, it's not a good time. It's not a, it's going to be a real nasty time. So what year, like what, what area, in your opinion, um, if you have a perspective on this, could we have done this? Like how it was it 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, and I hope I do a good, decent job of, of this because it's so complicated and I'm trying sure. to try to uh, simplify it. Um, if you look through the long arc of history of time, um, currencies have always failed and they've always failed for the very, very exactly the same reason. Um, it, back in the Roman times, people clipped coins, right, and made and, and made the coins worth less and less, and that was kind of the inflation, you know, making the the real value of the the metal in the coin or the gold in the coin less um, uh, over over time. It was the same thing to be able to um, to, uh, to be able to promise people more than they could deliver, and and. And what drives that, and, and by the way, it's the same thing throughout history, and you see currency failures throughout history. And if you go back in time, currency failures, uh, back 2,000 years, currency failures didn't happen, they happen every 500 years. And then in more recent times, kind of in a long arc of history, they happened every 80 to 100 years. Why is that? I have a hypothesis. My, my hypothesis is, is this. We've always had technology. Technology is accelerating and accelerating and accelerating. So what, what used to take kind of 500 years to build up and, and, and reset, typically through war and revolution, now takes, I suspect, something like 40 years. And in the future, it'll take, take less. Um, and, and because you're having this acceleration of techno technology. Now if, you, now, if you zoom into... The U.S. dollar monetary uh, system, and 
it would have collapsed in 1971. Right. Yeah, but kind of did. It, 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 it did, but the US extended the, the regime and actually made it more powerful by, by pricing um, US dollars in energy, which was oil. And to do that, they'd made a deal with Saudi Arabia and other nations that would all oil must be priced in US dollars. And, and so now you had energy priced and, and, and if you were outside of that environment, if you were Venezuela not wanting to price oil in US dollars, or if you were Iran, or if you tried to fight that environment, you were cut off from the economic engine of the world. Because everybody else priced in oil. What did it give an advantage to US? Essentially the US had free energy and the rest of the world didn't. Hmm. And the cost of that free energy was building a war machine to protect that right to free energy. And, 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 and so I'm not gonna argue bad, good, and anything else. It was a way to extend um, a dollar regime to be able to be the international standard of the world. But it did create a whole bunch of negative externalities for other countries, which we still see today. Right. And so G7, me in Canada, you, a bunch of people were the beneficiaries of that system. And there were a bunch of people cut off uh, uh, negative externalities from that same system. Um, and it, but it extended the life of the US dollar. It actually made it stronger around the world because now everybody had to trade it. Yeah, it was almost like one of those, um, those paddles, right? Someone, their heart stops and you kind of like jolt them. It was like a jolt of power and flux to allow this thing to, to live like a second life, basically. Exactly, a new life. And, it can, and, and everything continued on. Um, and, and then um, to, to, today, and in 1971, US was, was the undisputed world leader. Right? There was nobody that could match. And today you have other countries like China that are starting to understand, wait, I want dollars priced in, uh, I don't want oil priced in dollars. Or, or today, even more importantly, Bitcoin is pricing energy. Right. And, and so, so, so you, have this uh, you have this transition again. So these things reset through time. Um, and why do they reset is because we, you, me, every, uh, everyone else in the world would rather believe a lie when a politician or anybody else tells us, I can give you more than, than, than the market will allow. Right. Yeah, um, and we'll vote the person in who will tell us a bigger lie. And, and, and because if somebody told us today, here's the truth, we don't have the money and we're gonna let the system collapse. Can you imagine that person even getting to 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 the? Um, and so, so you hide you hide a theft in in policy. You hide on on a, a credit based system must grow forever. And you select um, for people in politics who are most willing to lie. Um, and, and and I would say even the flip side of that is like sorry to interrupt. The flip side of that is that someone might be so uninformed that they truly believe what they're saying. That's actually the other thing. There's very few people that understand this at this level. Yeah. And they're on top of a system that must, that must keep going. Yes. Now, now ask, if you understood it, if you totally understood it, like I just explained it and, and, this, and you realize that, okay, if we stop printing, what happens? 
you might you might convince yourself yeah i'm saving the world i, I it's only me who can uh, uh, uh can do this because because i'm inherently good and those other people are inherently bad but i but i'll do it differently than everybody else right. and and so you have this incongruence and and that's actually why it's kind of bitcoin one of the reasons bitcoin is so important is because we can't trust ourselves to do this we can't try and, and i mean you me <laughs> whole bunch yeah. of Bitcoin. We, we um because we we push more power to humans who can change their minds and they might believe that they're doing it for the right reasons and still and, and still doing something that cascades and creates these negative externalities everywhere yeah because fundamentally it's a human fault right like our our our, our weak point with politics is the human element, right? Like we are, we're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Even, even like someone like Marcus Aurelius has flaws. And the cool thing about Bitcoin is it replaced the human flaw with a protocol That's that right. is uh, unbiased and objective and just works and allows the world to change around this protocol, which was designed with a certain set of values instead of um, essentially electing the person who uh, tells us the sweetest lies. And, yeah, and, and the, what would that mean? What would that mean for politics and every uh, and uh, what it would mean for politics is is you would have to campaign on honesty you'd have to like bitcoin, because bitcoin is truth what a novel idea what a novel idea what an and and what it would mean is government would have to get way smaller as a byproduct i still want a fireman on my street I still I, I still want certain things. I don't want to live in a complete. Uh, com I don't want to walk out my door and have no services and there and 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 see people failing everywhere and, and people lying on the street. I don't want to live in that world. And I'm happy to to create some sort of structure or to to vote with my time, money, some some sort of structure to be able to to create a world that flourishes. I just want that to be based on the truth. Yeah. And I think we, I think there's often a false dichotomy that comes up where it's either full on bloated government or zero government. Yeah. And it's like anything, right? There's, there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of nuance. It's work to sort of dive into the nuance. It requires a much deeper understanding to be able to explore that nuance. But you know, I agree. I want police officers. I want firemen. I want people to be able to pick up the garbage. These are not bad things. What I don't want is thousands of people making a salary to actually deliver no value. And for this whole machine, you know, like I've, I've read sort of parts of this book by Foucault, which is, I think it's called the dynamics of power. And basically the, the thing that stuck out to me was that the hierarchically most important element of the game theory of power is to maintain power at all costs. Yeah. That is the only incentive. There is no other incentive. That is the nature of power. And I think the cool thing that I see is that Bitcoin is power because it is the hardest money. And power is every time I talk to a family member um, that is more open to Bitcoin, I'm, I'm seeing in real time power redistributing to the people of Canada um, and away from the political uh, holders of power, right? It's a very incremental, it's tiny, but I think, I mean, maybe it's naive, but I, I like to think that that's happening a lot, a lot more and a lot more rapidly. And I know the people that were most resilient within my family are now becoming open to seeing like, it's almost like you tell them that they're being stolen from each year and it's too uncomfortable for them to really like, really lean into. They're like, no, that can't be, I, that means my whole life I've been living a lie around money and I've been being stolen from. I can't believe that. 
And then they start to get like these little touch points, right? Oh, that's way more expensive than it used to be. Oh, why is my house going up 30% in a year? It seems good, but that's kind of alarming. And so they, they get these repeated touch points where the world around them is changing so drastically, they can't, they can't ignore it anymore. And so they start actually inquiring. And when they hit the, when they reach the inversion point where they're like, okay, I see it now. Now I need to fix this. Um, to me, that is like, that gives me hope because that that's like a peaceful way that they they've realized what was happening. They've actually done change personally, which contributes to our collective change. And, you know, like I often think I'm a fan of negative visualization where it's like, what's the worst thing that can happen to me tomorrow? If I visualize that and accept that it could happen, then nothing really like my day is pretty good because that didn't happen. And I think what I visualize is like, what if we didn't have Bitcoin right now? This would be, I would have way less hope. Yeah. I, and, and that's, uh, and I've said this on many different podcasts, but it's a, uh, it, Bitcoin is an emergent phenomenon and every single thing in the, our world is actually first a, a, a construction of our mind. So it's an idea in our mind. So the, 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 your, your phone is an idea who took it and we didn't see that idea, right? Entered. We used to use probably too, you're too young for it, but we used to use Blackberry with, with buttons and it was just, right. Yeah. It was just a phone. And when the new iPhone came out, everyone, uh, everyone talked about what a toy I was keeping with my Blackberry. And then on the toy, you said, wait, so this isn't just a phone. This is a music player. It's a camera. It's all, it's, it's not, I'm comparing a phone against something totally different. We didn't see it. And, and five years before that, Palm Pilot tried to do it and it, the technology wasn't ready. And then, and then the smartphone changed everything. And that idea first in somebody's mind from technology that could put these things together and create something totally new became something that we could not live without. And it killed a different idea. That idea persists in the system we all agree to live in, an inflationary monetary system. Uh, and and the, and we don't see it. Same thing you're saying, all your uh, all your relatives and everything else. And and Bitcoin and is an emergent new idea built based on code, truth, open network. Everybody accesses, um, and more and more people are seeing it. And how I like to look at it is, you have this system that is going to collapse either way, or or, or create more and more power or control everybody through the system. And, and you have a new idea and, and, and that's creating a bridge to the other side. Mm. And the people that are walking across that bridge first, you, me, many of us, many people before us telling other people are actually creating the bridge to the rest of, for the rest of society to walk across. And, and, and that's very powerful. And, it, and, and it's, it's no different than any technology in our lives. The change, change I'm sure when Amazon started coming out, there were started coming, it, it, a lot of people said, what, it's useless, it's just for books. That was a new idea and it, changed, and it changes the world. And I'm sure when, when in te- Tesla, new idea um, that is cha- changing. And if enough people believe in an idea and they move to the world changes. The world changes really quickly. Um, I find it really interesting how quickly we recalibrate also, right? Like um, I remember my dad had like one of the first 
versions of like a cell phone. And it was like a, literally a, a small suitcase and a brick for a phone. I had one of those. <laughs> yeah. I, that's in your book. You tell the story about, about that, how your first bill was like 1200 bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, and I, I mentioned that the other day at dinner and it's funny how quickly we just adjust to the iPhone and that's just it. Like it's not, we don't really reflect on it. It's just, if we blink and it's there, that's the new standard. We look ahead to what's coming next, but we kind of, it's so easy. Our minds play tricks on us and don't really kind of give us an, an objective snapshot of like, that happened really quick. That happened super quick. So we don't, and that time bias, um, our recency bias, and, 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 and we don't think our minds have changed, right? <laughs> right. We don't think we write yourself a note this year and think all the things that you think of and look at it next year. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I often think an interesting experiment in, in Facebook would be um, have people, everything they believe in, um, and they reinforce and reinforce and reinforce, and they're in, in this kind of hole of everything they believe in change all their friends to different beliefs and exact opposite, uh, exact opposite, and then compare their beliefs two months later and see the, the reinforcement and everything else. And then have them, but have them record who they were in this time and then record. And by the way, as you, as you nod and you say, wow, the yeah, beliefs would change like that. Now ask yourself, do you look at the other side or do you look at the other side of the argument for confirmation by, for confirmation bias for your own argument? Yeah. And, 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 and it shows how, how these are really important and really important to, because our, our own minds play tricks on us. Yeah. And, 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 and so you, today, especially you have to, and, and by the way, and I say this in full recognition that it could happen to me. And I look at and, and okay, in Bitcoin, and what what am I missing? What do I really want to look in on the other side? How could the existing system stop this? What would that look like? What would um, am I right uh, on this? And I look at an, uh, on the deeper I go, the, the the more the more inevitable I believe it is, and I do believe it is inevitable. I hope it is anyways, the, the, and the harder I push on that side, I actually might be turning off people that are just awakening to this because they'll push back so radically against it. Yeah. And, and so, uh, it just because of human nature, uh, just, and what seems obvious where you are now, um, was perhaps completely beyond grasp where you first started. And I think remembering where you started. And this is why I love having conversations with people that are completely new to Bitcoin or, or perhaps don't even know about it. It's a reminder for me to understand what kind of questions I may have asked initially and to get a pulse on like, what are people's perspectives right now? Because if I'm speaking in one language based on my current understanding, and they're, they're not even literate in that language, I'm, I'm going to create actually a wider divide, right? Because they see it as more intimidating. And I think that I just think it's really important, you know, as a, I think everyone carries their own definition of being a Bitcoiner, but I think one of my personal core elements of being a Bitcoiner means trying to uh, make an effort to listen, not to convince anyone that Bitcoin is the best, but just to ask the right questions that I perhaps asked myself initially. Um, and just being mindful of my own, like where I've, you know, I've been, Bitcoin has been on my radar for eight years. 
that's a lot of time spent understanding this and understanding all the disparate elements that actually start to connect really, really obviously when you start to kind of put the web, connect the dots together. And, um, and yeah, I think it's really important to just be mindful that like people aren't there and if we assume they are, we're going to push them away. It's a rewiring of your brain. Yeah. It's a, and, and uh, uh, I did a a podcast, uh, yesterday on invest answers, Mm -hmm. a podcast in 20 hours, uh, had 110,000 views. Wow. Staggering. But, but that's not the, the, uh, the, the part of the story. Um, and I did another one three weeks before at the Austrian central bank presentation, the Austrian central bankers all over the globe, (laughs) a room, a room filled with potentially the right people in the room to be able to start to take this further. I was asked by four other countries to do a similar presentation in their countries from, uh, from that, but that's not the part that I'm, uh, that uh, is, is so interesting. The part that's so interesting. If you look at the comments in, in, in kind of both different in, environments, and, you, and if you, if some of the people that I was talking to afterwards, um, you realize how few people understand this at this level, it's staggering. And yeah. I, I forget that. I forget that because because I I know the whole system dynamic and I and and I and I and to me I feel like okay I, I, could I do another podcast people must be tired of me right the, the uh, and 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 but then when you realize how few people actually know this at a system level and the system change that we're 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 going through um, we have to do a lot more of it. We have to do a, a, a lot more of it and a lot more people have to under, uh, understand it. And then when you look at Bitcoin through that lens and you look at how early we really are, yeah. you look at the network effect on how many people, it, now it's super powerful it, and you connect, connect the dots that most people predict their present forward instead of technology forward. So they're bound to miss what's coming on Bitcoin. They look at a current experience on, on, on the network and everything that's built on top of it and layer two, and they discount what's coming. So it's so I'm I'm very bullish in what's coming and what's and how much easier and more and how the bridge is being built as we're moving across. But it but it reminds me yeah. how few people see it today. And I think even to to try and look ahead of where. Uh, where it's going, I think we just have this incredible tendency to look at things linearly, and we're no longer in in linear context, right? Technology is not linear. Technology is exponential. Networks are exponential, and so it's like we don't even know what's coming. We know the kind of things that can be done now that we've built this new, you know, we we just discovered steel. We know we can build skyscrapers that we couldn't build before, but we have no idea what they're going to look like, or what shape they're going to take, or what other possibilities are going to unlock. And you know, I think. I did, I come from a health background the past five years I've worked in health. And one of the things I did was a podcast and I, you know, did over 150 episodes about as many topics as I could. And by the end, I was like, you know, I don't think there's anything else for me to say, right. I don't even know if people are enjoying listening to this. And then once in a while I get an email where someone's like, I just listened to to your podcast on knee pain and and it changed my world. And so it's easy to forget that that podcast is new for someone who's never heard it before. And I think that that is like, you know, I heard someone recently say, podcasting about Bitcoin can seem redundant and repetitive, but at the end of the day, we're here to help onboard the next hundred million as we refine our weight, our ability to explain things. And I find myself falling in this trap all the time where, okay, I started with more rudimentary thinking about Bitcoin. 
And then I've kind of like dove into like deeper layers and more um, like so deep that sometimes it's even hard. If the person you're speaking to isn't familiar with how all these things interrelate, they might not even sense that you're talking about Bitcoin and just really making an effort to be like, who is, who am I, who's listening to this? Who's listening to this that can get the most value? It's the person who doesn't understand Bitcoin. So I need to change my language drastically to make sure I'm not moving too far beyond that in all the episodes, because it's going to, it's not going to appeal to the people we need to help most. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really important point. For sure. Let's talk about inflation and deflation. Um, I don't want to, I mean, inflation, everyone's talking about inflation now, but I, what I would love to hear you talk about is the distinction between inflation and deflation. And, you know, maybe we want, I want to mention one thing that I heard you say, and it stuck with me so hard. I wrote it down on a notepad. It's taped on the wall behind my computer. An abundance of money results in a scarcity of everything else. And a scarcity of money results in an abundance of everything else. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I think that's so, I see that everywhere now. Like yeah. I can't help, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's one of those things. So yeah, I'd love to hear you talk about that. Well, you, there's a lot of Bitcoiners that say, that'll say price will go up forever. And Michael Saylor is fantastic in this community and price fear will go up forever. Laura, I love that. But, <laughs> but, but the truth is what's happening is everything else is coming down in price forever. Yeah. That's the truth. And the way, in other words, the way technology should, uh, should, what should be happening in your life is happening in, in, if you measure everything in your, in Bitcoin and that will continue and it will continue forever. Yeah. Why will it continue forever? Um, because as I said, we all vote with our time to get more for less and in technology Getting more for less is deflation, correct? Is deflation. Yeah. So productivity. Defla uh, deflation. And, and just think about this in a free market. How would, I'm an entrepreneur who built a whole bunch of companies. Um, how would a company succeed by giving you less value? You don't. <laughs> it's pretty obvious, right? It, um, unless they have a different set of rules, which we see in, that a lot Unless they have a, mon a monopoly, in, yeah. unless it's a government-run monopoly. But it, uh, or yeah, or or protected by a certain regulation, but it but but in a free market, it's con it's a competition to to drive more value. You only win by delivering value to other people. Yeah, that's the rule of natural selection, basically yeah. in the, in the in in an economic sense. And and I can tell you from from countless companies that I advise boards that uh, that. that if you knew what was coming to give you more value, you just go and, 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 and where technology is, we're just, it's amazing what's got happening. Yeah. But, but all of that is being, is being stolen. That product productivity is being stolen by inflation because these two systems are diametrically opposed. One should be decreasing price and one must increase price. So it's way worse than the inflation rate that you see because it should be going the other way, uh, the other way. Now, now take for so, so in that market, everything drops to its marginal cost of production. So that's how, and, and the marginal cost of production, including money, exactly. But, but what is the marginal cost of production for the camera on your phone? What's the marginal cost of production for the calculator app on your phone? What's the marginal cost of production for look at the name guitar tuner app on my phone? It's zero. 
Yeah. And that's why they become free on your phone. Because, and what ends up happening is as entrepreneurs at first, maybe they're pennies and they get distributed everywhere. And then more entrepreneur, okay, I can't make any more money as it comes to free. And the entrepreneurs race to the next industry to attack the next industry to bring it down to its marginal cost of production. And now if you think about that, what I just said, and we're now to look just through the phone lens, go up a level and say, we're AI, AI, artificial general intelligence as it comes in and robotics and, and energy. Where does marginal cost of production go on everything? Same place. Same place. It just keeps falling and keeps falling. And there's better and better tools and better, better technology all the time to drive that. Now, why isn't oxygen our most expensive? Uh, why isn't it our most expensive thing in our lives? Why don't we? Why don't? Why don't we build an? Uh, why don't we build um, entire industry around? oxygen mask giving you oxygen right now, me oxygen right now. Why don't we hire those entrepreneurs to give us more oxygen? Because it's abundant. We don't, because it's abundant. And it's because it's abundant, it's free. And there is no way to create an, a, a, a job there or a business there unless you're selling oxygen in space or underwater or in a hospital um, where it's scarce. And so if you have an abundance in money, you're actually forcing that scarcity everywhere else. And if you have, if you, uh, if you have scarcity in money, the natural rules, technology, what, what the world should be looking like in a, in a free market forces that abundance everywhere. And the other thing too, is like when you have abundant money, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually negate our need for money it just pushes money into different areas, right? Like how, okay. So if money is abundant, then the house becomes money because houses are scarce. We're going to seek things that are scarce. We're going to nest our money that is withering away into what we deem a form of money, right? Cars, everything now is becoming a form of money because <laughs> money has fallen apart. That's exactly. So and it really is shocking because once, you know, I, I, I am excited for this abundant future because when things return, to their utility value. Like when the price of a used car returns to its utility value of being able to drive yourself somewhere or a house returns to its utility value of giving you shelter and it no longer has to be money. You know, like there's so much manipulation and the manipulation is literally, it's like changing the language every, every couple months. Everyone's gonna not be able to communicate. And I think money as the base language of how we communicate value, you start to see like, oh, yeah, if you manipulate the language, people can't coordinate. When people can't coordinate, we have big problems. And we all of a sudden have more money in the system fighting for fewer goods because we can't coordinate. And this is kind of seems like how we get here. That's a, and, 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 and that's where um, I, I, I said, if you have corruption uh, in money, you must as a byproduct because uh, have corruption everywhere in society. You must. Because money, all it is, is a, is a, a, a trade of our time. We actually don't want more money. We want more of what we think money will get us later. And some people want more money for more power. Some people want more money for because they think if they have more money, people will love them more. Some people want more money because they can buy more things and, um, and, and have more experiences. But it's not money itself that, that you want. It's what you think the money will get you. 
And it's an, so it's an abstract concept for our time. And so if you manipulate that money, that abstract concept, the world's bound to look, look crazy. Um, and if you, and, and if the only way to offset technology moving faster and faster, the other way is to have greater and greater manipulation and the world's going to get scarier and scarier as a result of that. And so that's, if you simply said where we are, that's why a system can't change itself. No, no leader in any system, no matter what they say can change, can change the system from the system okay. requires a system change, a system level change. And, and then when you investigate what could lead a system level change in any possible, I only see Bitcoin that can, can, can be that system level change. Yeah. It's that old Buckminster Fuller quote, like don't fight the existing system because it exists to perpetuate itself, create a new one that makes the old one obsolete. That's right. And, and I think that's a very important thing right now, because when you're, I mean, we're coming to the end of this long cycle and there's a lot at stake, right? Like literally humanity is at stake at this point, it seems because we're seeing crazier and crazier things. And I think, you know, one thing that gives me a sense of peace is that the crazier and more obvious things are getting to, to that, that they're obviously very problematic, the closer we're getting to the inversion point where like it starts to go the other direction. So I, I find some, I mean, maybe that's just naive, naive optimism, but what, what are your thoughts on that? So, so you would, you would suspect, and I, and, and I do too, or that's my hopeful side down there. If I was playing probabilities that, that effectively by, by straining this existing system and creating all of this, more people will see the bridge and start walking across the bridge and the emergent phenomenon that Bitcoin, that transition allows you to transition instead of all at once. <laughs> Yeah. It allows you to slowly tra transition and that why that's really important. And I have used this example a couple of times, but, but if you, if you imagine Amazon early in, that, in Amazon's history, many people similar to how people are talking about Bitcoin today saw what Amazon would become. <clears throat> but in 1996 or 1997 in Amazon as it's only selling books and toys. What if every single retail store collapsed in 1997? Groceries, it would be a huge problem. Um, but, but today as now more and more people shop on Amazon, more, more some stores start closing in response because they're two totally different systems and they, they're not, they can't work, to, uh, they can't work together. One's more, it gets better and better and better. And it is more, more people. We might not like the monopoly that is Amazon. We might not like the power. I'm just talking about from a system standpoint, sure. as more and more people join that, now they can do groceries. Now they can do other things. So they add all of these things that we can't, we start thinking it's easier for me to, to work in a new system and what the system looked like then. And that change is a, gradual, uh, is a gradual system. Now, if you were an investor in Amazon at that time and you bought Amazon at $5, how many people have bought Amazon at $5 and still hold it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and so what you, see, what you see is actually the same thing playing out in Bitcoin. You see, you see a whole bunch of people early that understand what this is happening and a transition that's playing out. But if it happened all at once, if there was a deflationary spiral or 
currency failure, if you if it looked like Lebanon does today or Venezuela does today, it would be ugly. It would be ugly for the world we live in right now because everything would be collapsing. Yes, that might drive a Bitcoin acceleration even faster, but it still would be ugly. And so those that bridge needs to be built out with more and more people joining the march to the other side. Yeah. And, you know, one of the big parallels I see from the world of health, you know, what I call legacy medicine yeah. um, with legacy finance is this, uh, this bias towards intervention and fear of any and all pain, right? Like we've literally in the world of health, we've demonized pain so much that it's literally, we have painkillers. We want to kill pain. So we take a pill, which is the equivalent of your house burning down, your fire alarm goes on, you plug your ears and you say, everything's fine. It's like a very weird way of like, your house is still on fire. That's, you should probably figure it out. That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. 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 And this whole, this complete aversion to pain essentially leads us to run to what can cause, like eliminate the pain without actually caring about the long-term effects of what we're doing. And, you know, for, for physical pain, taking a painkiller allows you to ignore the signal that is intended to usher a productive change. And with money, it's like, as soon as there's any pain whatsoever, right? As soon as there's a blip in the stock market, they rush in and they pull the painkillers in and they essentially hush the signal, silence the signal that there is a serious problem and they just perpetuate it. They actually allow themselves to make it worse. And, you know, I think often what happens is people diagnose, people identify symptoms really well. Like knee pain is easy to identify. Wealth, radical wealth inequality is very easy to identify. The problem is we, we essentially put our lens on the problem without actually zooming out to see like, what's the context that this problem is occurring in? Because with the body, where the pain is, is almost never where the problem is. That's just like where it's showing itself. So can you, I would love, I've heard you explain this once and I really loved listening to you say this. And I think it's important for people to know. It's like, if you are seeing radical wealth inequality, you're not wrong, but how do we make sure we diagnose the problem correctly? And I, I think it's really tightly linked to inflation. So how does inflation harbor radical wealth inequality that we're seeing right now because it's stunning how, how big it's become yeah and, and again these are two different systems if i own more of the productive assets if i own or if i if i own a technology company or if i own um just imagine i own uh 10 houses and and you run inflation and the houses all go up in value and the rents all go up there is somebody on the corresponding other side of that line who doesn't own a house right. and now has to pay more rent whose whose wealth or whose 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 income isn't growing at that rate because wage inflate so inflation the opposite side is wage deflation so their real wages are going down as their rents are going up or food prices or anything else sure. and and you're tra essentially transferring their money to me now imagine I have a hundred houses. Now imagine I have 200 houses. Imagine if I'm Bill Gates and I buy all, a whole bunch of productive farmland um, with, with, with my wealth to, to protect that, that wealth. I've driven, imagine if I'm BlackRock and I have a mandate, US government mandate to go out and buy houses. With free money. With free money. And, and so you perpetuate, you actually perpetuate a crime. It's a theft. 
because because we don't question so if if and that's a hard thing for people to get but it is still true yeah so inflation is a theft nobody votes for inflation you don't tell you ask your politician what rate of inflation what rate of money they're going to take from you next year people believe we need a theft built in our system to live in a productive society and it's just not true but their belief when they believe that inflation is required and that is the base building block of their entire belief set then they won't question that belief set and they won't even see and then deflation will look evil inflation inflation is only required for a credit-based system that humans built to perpetuate a system it is required for this system that credit-based system because if you allow deflation the credit collapses and if you have this much credit that you're just blowing up a balloon bigger and bigger if you allow the free market to happen it collapses spectacularly but it is not i i just believe we could have a better rails in the transition to where we're going that isn't based on a theft and i know that that's true because i've looked at kind of how um how that can happen in a bitcoin standard and you can have a different rails that allow that the technology that abundance gained from technology to be broadly transferred to humanity if you kind of double click on what i just said about about that deflate that that change that 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 change in system now imagine you own a house and and you just own one house you'll set up an incongruence in your mind you won't even see it i want my house to keep going up forever but i want everything else in my life to go down and you'll advocate and if you own a house or if you own 10 houses and and, and you realize well wait if the system is changing i can't allow that let's vote for more of this and so you get more and more people that are reinforcing a system a, a system that is inherently unstable and getting more and more unstable all the time because it's stealing from the middle class and poor and transferring to the rich and if you own one house and bill gates owns 100,000 or or land you can see this magnify and i just use housing as an example but the exact same thing is who do you think owns most of the stocks it's people like me it's people like that that you that you have that technology companies and everything and so what will technology companies do when the population demands lower and lower prices and your inputs are going up all the time labor is going up because it's being for is because of inflation and prices are being forced up when a population is demanding lower prices and free markets driving lower prices wouldn't you as a technology entrepreneur try to automate try try to drive ai into the business faster to remove labor to be able to give society what they want yeah, you're forced to do more with less or die you're you're for, you're forced so and as you did that which is driving one side more and more deflation it requires a response to make prices go up higher and higher on the other side and so that's where we are in the world unfortunately and that's the response you're seeing you're seeing an exponential on both sides um that uh, that it, it, it and it's getting worse and worse with every because that's why that that's why the, the printing or the monetary easing has to exponentially grow yeah 
And I mean, if you understand the dynamics of that and the fact that we can't stop creating money, then that gives a lot more um, security to the the notion that Bitcoin is going up forever because money will be created forever until it can no longer be created out of thin air. Yeah, but, um, that's, but that's actually, and that's actually where I think it's better to say, because if people want to see the truth, if they want to see what the real market is doing, instead of seeing Bitcoin going up forever, see everything priced in Bitcoin is coming down forever. Yeah. Well, we're doing a, a little experiment as one way to support the STOA and have more people be able to contribute and hopefully be paid for, for content they create. We're creating this um, very simple Bitcoin apparel. And what we're going to do is every batch we create, um, what we sell it for will be based on our fiat, Canadian fiat cost times about 1.5. And hopefully that'll go down as our economies of scale increase. But we're also going to price everything in sats. So as time goes on, and we're going to correct the price for Canadian M2 money supply. So the price in Canadian dollars will go up over time because we're actually going to accurately price it based on how much money is being created. The price in sats will go down over time. And, and my hope is that it'll be a cool experiment for people to see um, the, dis- the true disparity of like free market Bitcoin price, Canadian raw cost corrected to M2 money inflation. And it'll really be a cool illustration of like, wow, this is because act- it because that actually is happening and everything else. It just takes more time for that money to find its home and then for everything to adjust. Um, and that's actually, and, and then if you look at, if you look at that, if you look at how much did a house cost last year in Bitcoin, how much does a house cost this year in Bitcoin? What you see is Bitcoin, it, 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 but, but Bitcoin is the kind of the apex predator of them all. It's pricing energy. It's a new, it's, it's, it's pre- and, and everything is falling against it. Everything. It, beca- it becomes something that, you're, you're actually investing in, um, in, I believe, in effectively the protocol layer, the t- TCP IP of the internet. Yeah. It's the internet of money and you're investing at that layer. There's a whole bunch of innovation that's coming on top of that layer through lightning and other and, and entire, uh, second layer and third layer that's, that, that's going to change everything. And, and we're so early in that, we don't see we don't see we don't put together that we weren't allowed to invest in the t in the internet layer we invested in the second layer amazon google facebook the rest on top of this yeah the application layer the application layer in this case bitcoin is the protocol layer and the application layer is still coming and you you can invest in both and i would argue that the currency the currency of bitcoin sats is an application but Bitcoin fundamentally is just such a raw foundational protocol. And, and yeah, I mean, you ask anyone, if you had the chance to, to buy a tiny slice of real estate, which is the internet, which we know everyone now lives on top of, right? Everyone pays rent to the internet by building on top of it and creating revenue. You would have done real well, right? Because, really well. yeah, because like Amazon might not be in this random little country in Africa, but the internet is now. And so I think the same thing is going to happen with Bitcoin. And, you know, one thing I think about frequently, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is this notion that at a foundational level, the whole fact that we're essentially under the spell of inflation and we can be heavily manipulated really revolves around a lack of understanding of, of money. It's kind of like health, right? We get pushed around and sold shitty solutions all the time because we fundamentally don't understand health because we were never taught health. And I think crazy times call for crazy ideas. And I sometimes envision like, what is correcting the financial illiteracy problem look like? Like what age can kids start learning about money? Is it 10 years old? Is it five years old? Is it just a practical application of rudimentary math? 
And I'd love to like, I think time theft is only possible with mass illiteracy. And once we fix that, we actually create um, almost like a, a fail safe for future, right? Like we never want to go back to this bullshit again of unsound money that's out of control. Why don't we start now and make sure that we embed financial literacy into the base layer of school? How does that, you know, does that cross your mind? Is that something, how does that even look? Yeah, so um, education is already free. Certification is not free. And there's a whole bunch of people in my age uh, group who have a whole bunch of wealth and don't believe what I just said because they can get their kids into any school. And it used to be before you had the internet, before you had podcasts, before you had edu uh, education, Khan Academy, thousands of different sites that are literally free. You could learn anything about any subject down to the sand and back up, see any P meet any PhD through the same process. Yeah. Um, and, and it's literally free. But, but there's a belief and that belief is, is based largely predicated on my kids will get a better job by getting into the best school to be able to get the best education that still persists because it used to be true. And why did it used to be true? Because you didn't have a communication layer that could drive the cost, the marginal cost of education to zero. You, you used to have to aggregate that knowledge and it used to be slow and, and the, the control of that was in into the universities and, and, and such that had to be the aggregators of information because you didn't have the internet. You didn't have the uh, communication tool that drove the uh, drove this to free. So to, so today that's hard to see for people because they're living in one world and they actually believe that, that, okay, I, my kids must learn this way because I learned that way. And that belief hasn't changed. I can tell you from hiring thousands of people and that who I hire now is not from this kid. It's somebody who's always learning. It's somebody who I don't care about it. I don't care about which school they went to and anything else. I, they, I care about their skills and the, and the fact that they're curious all the time that they're always learning. Those type of people outperform because it's a, an accountability. Now, I'm not saying everybody can do that because to, to be able to learn at that rate, you have to account, have accountability for your own education instead of just sitting on the couch and eating Doritos. Um, but but it, does it change the fact that it's free today? It's free today. And, and, and so when you talk about financial literacy um, in that, in, I don't think you're going to, I think it'd be insane to try to do that through the system lens. You're not going, going to be able to, but, but from the emergent lens, I can tell you how my, how my kids are, are, are in financial literacy um, and they're way better than I was at the time at their, at their age. I can, and I can look around the world and I can see the younger generation how financial literate they're becoming because of this, because of things like your show, because of, because of the ability to transmit this information globally. And, and remember, it doesn't just live, we think it just might live here in Canada or the US and, and whatever number. Um, I was on a Max Kaiser show that uh, had 58,000 uh, views in the first couple of days. And, uh, 
in, uh, in, uh, in North America. And guess how many views it had in, uh, in, in, in South America? In the same what? couple of days, 800,000. Holy shit. That's um, Because they needed, they needed and, more. And, and, and again, this, the information's free. They have internet connections too. And if they if it's translated and Max translates everything into sp- Spanish, so the uh, so it just takes off and it spreads virally for free. So so it, so that leaves a different potential problem, and that uh, the pro- potential problem is what information is correct and what should I listen to? And when you have when you have misinformation everywhere in the world, and um, you can easily fall into those traps with misinformation, money, misinformation everywhere. You can really um, fall into those traps, but it also, what ends up happening is truth cuts through that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, in a Bitcoin kind of uh, don't trust verify. Holds true. The beautiful thing about that. And it, it, this conversation, a whole bunch of people will take on some of the things we say and, and look out and say, is that true? Is that and it'll force in their own minds a trust don't verify, um, yeah. and 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 that'll move that that just it just moves to, and that it, we we open this conversation by talking about some of this we open this conversation about people aren't very good at seeing how, how fast their own minds change when something change when something radically gives them more value they're stuck in a system that they measure everything by instead of seeing that seeing that change might already be there yeah and i and i think you know in the wake of because i see this firsthand you know i went through physio school i did a master's degree in physical therapy and i can speak with full honesty when i say that my physio degree was not a valid proxy in any way for my understanding of health it was a piece of like, and that's, that was really uncomfortable. Like I stopped practicing about four years ago, but it was really uncomfortable for me to realize that what I thought I paid to learn, I didn't learn. And not only that, but the piece of paper I'm using to tell people, I know that is, is, a, is, is false. Right. And it's no, I love my professors. They're doing the best they can. They taught me information that was 20 years behind where we presently sat. And, you know, I think this whole notion that people are catching on that this degree you're paying for which has this artificial scarcity built into it. It's like education is scarce. Only your professors know the truth. Therefore, you must pay to obtain this. And that says, you know, the thing. And it's becoming so much more obvious to note that that's not even a valid proxy. And the scarcity element is, um, is created artificially, right? Sure. Because the university of Twitter is a magical place and it's free. Uh, the church used to have information that you didn't have uh, um, before the printing press gave in from uh, reduce the cost of information and more minds to contribute to information that difference that incongruence that trust uh, that that don't trust verify created a problem for the church because the information they did they were teaching didn't match reality it's the same thing the only difference today is it's moving at a speed we can't even comprehend and then if you connect that those dots to um, I, I, I said this in the Austri- Austrian uh, com- uh, conference, uh, Austrian Central Bank, 
the Paul Krugman who talks about uh, effectively said the the, uh, the internet will provide the same benefit to the to the global economy as the, the fax machine, machine right yeah. um, and we all laugh at that the that um, that, that take and and but again you're you're having somebody that's controlling financial systems or advising financial systems who doesn't understand technology and where it's going and when our systems are being more and more driven by technology it, it's it, you're bound to make these mistakes people make them all the time and so i'm not actually just calling out him that worse than that worse than that comment which people pick up all the time is a comment 15 years later 15 years later he said something like this i'm an economist i don't uh, i don't i don't talk about where technology is going and nor should i okay now think about that that's like that's like a pilot not understanding um wins or uh, the uh, it's worse than that it's the um, primary the, variable paul the, the primary <laughs> variable in everyone's lives in economics yeah. is a base layer of technology yeah. and you have economists that have no idea about technology you're bound to have a whole bunch of problem, problems now that's that's what you're saying in education it's exactly the same problem. you the world's moving too fast to run a model that is based on 20 years ago it's just the the information's moving too fast and it's so slow to adapt that by the time they take like five years to update their curriculum we're already in a different world like that's you're always going to be behind and it's this whole notion that like free market education it really become because we we created a health protocol with this health network I work with, which is the, the sole reason is so many people find it hard to find signal through the noise when it comes to health. And so we're like, okay, we've been working on understanding this for five years. Let's put together a pathway of 360 hours, an hour a day for 360 days. And we'll frame um, a lesson for, you know, within each 10 hours. And really the fundamental thing we teach is that you need to determine your own truth here's a framework for critical thinking so you can find signal through the noise. Don't believe anything we say. In fact, use these principles to critique everything we say in future so we can all think better together. And I think in physio school, they didn't teach me how to think. They taught me what to think. And I think that if they actually taught me critical thinking, they would get a shitload of pushback on everything they taught because we would be questioning it rationally and, and literally seeing like, well, you're teaching me this with slides you've used for five years, the internet is telling me something totally different. This seems more up to date than you. Where's the discrepancy? And so it's almost in the best interest of the people taking advantage of the information monopoly to not teach people to question it. And so it's like this weird underlying incentive that makes it such that we never learn about health and money because not understanding health and money is what creates a lot of the power in money and in health. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's like it, that. That sounds like a, uh, and there's a whole bunch of people that who would believe what you just said. I don't think it's intentional. I should it, also it, add that. Okay. So that's actually the, the the point. I don't think it's intentional. I think mm -hmm. it's just a system a system problem, and then what, rising mm -hmm. into the system, and the power that you need to protect the system, and everything. You're you're trying to figure out how to get there, and from the system you can't get there. Yeah, and it's like show me like that Munger quote. I mean, I wouldn't look to Charlie Munger for advice on Bitcoin, but show me the incentive. I'll show you the outcome. Yeah. I always just look to that because it actually takes out any emotional um, or prejudice against people and simply looks at it objectively like this is the incentive. Therefore, good people will abide by incentives, maybe creating a negative outcome. And if you just look at it like that, it's like, at least I know where the problem, it's not a problem with that person. It's a problem with the game we've created 
clearly we need a new game because this one's super broken. That's, that, that's right. And in this game, it connected to money and money is connected every, to everything else. Yeah. Um, when you have incentives based on a theft, what will the world look like? More and more people will, and, and it just, and, and uh, for people that aren't as deep on this, we already talked about the housing. What would that look like when you're trying to escape? Like when you're trying to save your money in something else that, that stops that inflation, wouldn't you as well, if you had money, put it in housing? Wouldn't you? Of course you would. So if you, and you, if you had more money, where would you protect it? You do the exact same thing. That incentive drives that, uh, drives that. Because if you don't, someone else will, and you'll fall further behind. Uh, far fall further behind. It's the way that the uh, the world works. And then when that didn't when that didn't work, and, and you've created this financialization engine, and and all the leverage that that entails, and and you realize, wait, and the, I can create as much leverage as I need in this system, and the, and the government must bail me out because if they if they don't bail me out then there's going to be a, a cataclysmic uh, collapse of the economy. So once you know that, and now you're close to the uh, government and your hedge fund and everything, or, or wouldn't you lever up more? Of course. Of course you would. That's the incentive. Right? And That's it's the, the ultimate moral hazard at that level. Well, moral hazard because you're, you're, um, there is no free, free market anymore. You're, you're essentially encoding theft into the base layer at a greater and greater scale all the time. And so what would society look like there? And then, and then if, if, if you felt like you were losing out more and more, more, and then you had NFTs or you had, you had casino type of money that yeah. somebody could get rich really quick on. Everything becomes money when money breaks. Exactly. <laughs> Even Everything. pictures of rocks. <laughs> and, and you're going to do anything to try to escape that system. And you're going to train an entire population Around, around trying to escape that system because they're falling further and further behind. And, and the more you print, the more you, the, the more that happens. So that's what the world looks like today. Yeah, and it's we have a new escape valve, right? Like everyone is getting squeezed harder and harder. And at one point they get squeezed so hard, they just jump out because they're like, I can't, I'm going to literally die if I keep getting squeezed. And it's almost like some people need to get squeezed so hard that it's intolerable for them to take a true look at Bitcoin and look at, the energy and the intimidation of researching this highly complex thing and acknowledging my, my blind spot that I don't actually understand money, that's painful. But there comes a point where that is less painful than what re, what's happening. So, so here is a one small part I would disagree with you on. I'm on a hospital foundation board. Okay. Um, the mental damage that's happening today, the number of suicides that are happening today, because many people don't make, to make it to the bridge on Bitcoin, to see the hope for the other uh, other world, they just despair, or or you radicalize, or they get radicalized, and and that is actually my hope is more and more people understand Bitcoin, but if you fall f- too far down that path, it's pretty hard to see that you you can't think. You're living in fear. You're living in in, um, in anxiety all the time, and and that that fear collapses your ability to think. Uh, uh, to think of the level that you're doing right now into the uh, in this Bitcoin, you're worried about preservation. You're worried, uh, you're, um, and 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 fear paralyzes us. We don't see all the opportunities. So it's easy for me, from my position, from 
everything I've been given in my life and to, to be able to look out at a broad set of possibilities and understand them at a different, different level. But I also, I also understand human nature um, well enough to realize that's not easy for everybody to do. They don't have the same, same position. And that's the, that's the part that I think in Bitcoin, we could do a better job of to be able to, 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 to allow more people to see it. How can we do a better job with that? Like if someone, if you have an audience of 500 people that are all Bitcoiners and keen to do a better job, what would be like your little nuggets that you'd pass on for us to sort of adopt? I mean, I, I think one of the big ones I've started to adopt now is be radically curious things. Sometimes people say shit and it just triggers me. And it's like, Oh my God, you're so far beyond understanding this. I, I just don't have the patience, but now I catch myself and I say, okay, let's start there. That's a good question based on your perspective. Um, and one thing I've started to ask is like, I start to ask for a bit of proof of work as to where they heard it, right? Someone says, oh, it, it, it takes up too much energy. What are your thoughts on that? And I say, where'd you hear about that? And how much looking into this did you actually do? Like how much responsibility have you taken for what you just said? Are you simply trying to find another reason to easily shrug it off? But I'm, I'm much more compassionate and curious now um, I don't know if that's one of the suggestions you would have, but I'd love that, to hear what that, you say. Yeah, so that's exactly that. That now, here, there's maximalism, toxic maximalism, and everything. And I'm not against that because everybody has their own voice, and you're going to bring uh, bring whoever on the way. I'm just talking about for me. Yep. This is why, and and from, I see people across the spectrum. I still have friends, really good friends who don't, who haven't started buying Bitcoin. I have a, a friend who's very wealthy, who we just got totally into it because he bought it at 10K and then he sold it at 40K. Um, he said, wow, I just did so well. And he, but he still hasn't connected the do, uh, dots. He's read my book three times. He follows, but he still has not connected the dots that all of his privilege, he thinks that his family is going to be okay. When the next, and, and I said, it's so much more important than what you're than than money it's so much more important than the wealth you can gain from this it's so it's the bridge to the other side and he started to connect the dots so so i guess seeing this and how most people see it and realizing it's not a t an attack on me i don't care I'm, i don't I, like i really don't care but but when somebody attacks what you believe in it's so easy to to just lash out because yep. because you know better that's our yeah. default i think it, 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 unless it, we're self-aware and and why does it matter they can do nothing somebody else says about me can hurt me without my permission to let it hurt me um and and so so if i actually care more about the message itself then okay um and i and i, and I just stay calm through uh through, uh, through that but, but I, I think it's the understanding that this is way more complex than most people. And, and they're, living from a they're living from a system that in some cases biases them against seeing it too. Yeah, their worldview is built around something completely different. And, and you, you said it before, you said it in this interview, you, you, you said that, uh, that when your worldview, when, 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 when that system uh, creates that worldview and questioning that system 
destroys a whole bunch of what you think you you were well, you know and where you got your wealth and everything else it's a really scary. hard thing to come to, uh, uh, come to and 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 these are all these are all connected and so i understand how hard it is for some people to come uh, come to that now if you understand that and it's and there are some people in this in in this uh, uh, um, in, that constantly take pot shots at bitcoin kind of in, in a public domain who do understand what we're talking about right i get people laughing out there yeah. <laughs> like I, 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 shifty I, I, pete exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but again yeah, he, he, he's he's an entertainment brand yes that's his marketing this is my marketing I, it, 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 it's it, kind of clever actually like yeah, we it, shit it, on him all the time <laughs> which means he's getting mentioned all the time oh totally but, but now tie that to bitcoin and it, 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 people could it, it, that's why it's so anti-fragile those people keep it in the news all the time it, even the even the haters they're constantly constantly keeping in the news if it didn't matter why would they mention it all the time sure and 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 so the beautiful thing about even those people is is they're bringing more people to the fold to see the truth one thing I've become much more sensitive to as well, because I've had to check myself on this is like, I got into Bitcoin early. The work I did previously put me in a good spot financially. And I have a modest lifestyle. So I have a lot of time. I have a lot of time to look into these things. I have a lot of like um, space in my life where I'm not like, I'm not getting squeezed that hard because I've kind of worked to get here. And I was very lucky. I've just having white skin born in Canada, hugely lucky, let alone all the other things. But when I talk to people, I, I get this sense that there's no extra bandwidth. There's no extra space in their lives to do, to do anything that's not deemed absolutely necessary, right? Like right now, survival mode is I'm scared because I'm constantly surrounded by media that says I should be scared. Uh, I'm having to go do more to make less. And I'm having to really focus, hyper-focus. Like you said, when we're in survival mode, we get tunnel vision where it's like, I got to pay my rent. I got to make sure my family doesn't starve. I got to try and keep my job. Like all of these things are very overwhelming. And when the government's strategy is to constantly overwhelm people more and more to reduce their bandwidth so they can't actually look into these things, I'm sensitive to the fact that I have space in my life to learn about. If I want to learn about something, I learn about it. I dedicate time. I'll listen to a couple hour podcast. But the average person who feels, who subjectively feels they don't have 30 extra minutes in the day. In fact, they're in like a negative time crunch right now. I don't even have enough time to do what I know I need to do with my family. Saying, they need to take responsibility for learning about money is a trigger because it's, it, it essentially is just anger, right? They're like, I'm pissed that my life looks like this. Don't ask me to learn about money. Money is super intimidating. I just need to stay above water. So I've, I've started to really tune into that and realize like my life situation is very different than I think the, the average person. And I, I just have to be, you know, like there's less urgency when I tell people, you got to learn about this now because that just makes them really upset. And it's like, okay, when you're ready to learn about it, let me know how much time you want to spend and I'll send you the best resource I have for that amount of time. That's my approach now. And it's being welcomed way more. So. Yeah. And that, that, that makes total, total sense, but that is the, the people are moving faster and faster in a system um, that, that must keep going like that. And they're getting confused and they're, and they're moving to fear, anxiety, uh, loss, uh, loss of hope. You can see that throughout the world. That's what's uh, uh, that's what's happening in the, by system design. That's what it has to look like and get get worse. Um, meditation is something that's decent to be able to break that cycle. Yes, 
um, but, uh, but, but, but that is what's happening through, throughout the world right now. And it's, it's hard to see. It's really hard for people to see. It is. Yeah. And I'm sensitive for your time. We're going to wrap up here, but I'd love to just hear from you. Okay. We are where we are today. We are going, inevitably, we will move forward. There's many paths we can take to move forward. Um, from a high level and a realistic optimist's view, like I'm innately an optimist, but I, I check my, real, my reality quite frequently because otherwise I get too far away from what I know is happening. Um, what does the next decade potentially look like from a slightly optimistic bias, but also still grounded in reality? Like, how does this play out in like a 10 minute high level explanation um, in your mind? Because I, I really, I, I really love when people can articulate this and I don't think many have context to do it, but you do. There's too many, um, uh, there's too many different potential outcomes right now to, uh, to say uh, it's, what would be your favorite outcome? My favorite outcome would be that bridge all of us. Um, and it's actually why this is free time for me. And if Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team, there is no marketing budget for, for Bitcoin. It's free. It's yes. You have a business and a podcast and everything, but there's a whole bunch of this community that's making this stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger uh, all the time. And not forget about people that are they're talking about it there's a whole bunch of community in, in building on this and jack maulers and the lightning network and everything that's making this stronger and, and the entire innovation stack that's coming on top of on, on top of this is really really exciting that and when i think about that i think about what future do i want and what future am i spending my time ensuring that it happens that's a really good point and, and then, so where am I spending my time to make sure that, that I advocate for the future that I want and, and try and more and more people bringing, advocating for that future is going to, I hope, make that happen in a transition that can allow that to happen. Against that, I do understand how much power the existing system has over people and kind of, and, and, and how they'll fall into this chaotic environment out of that system. And I do also realize that it's getting more and more um, unstable all the time and it, and, it, and it must as a byproduct. And so when I see that and I see winter is coming and I'm hoping not for a heart for something that doesn't happen as a hard break, mm. but in Turkey today, it'd be a hard break. In Lebanon, you have a hard break. When banks close, and uh, it'd be a hard break. And that could come to a whole bunch of other countries. It will come to a whole bunch of other countries on the way through. So, so with, with that, I use my time to advocate for the system change that must ha happen. And I hope other people will join, join and, use, and using their time to be able to do the same thing. Because once you understand it at that level, um, it's the, it is the, those people's time that creates the bridge for everybody else. Yeah. And understanding it deeply is a quite a bit of power. And, you know, that old saying might be a cliche, but it's true. I think with great power comes great responsibility. And, and I, th for me, it's sort of like, I don't claim to know everything about Bitcoin, but I've put uh, based on the amount of time I've put into it, I know I have a deeper understanding than most. And I've started to almost feel like a sense of duty that like the luck I have now, or the, the, the freedom I have in my life now 
would be wasted if it wasn't put towards helping, like you said, to create the future that I want to live in. And I really started to view, I used to view Bitcoin as the ax that's cutting down the tree, the system, and one final blow will topple it. And my view now is that Bitcoin is actually like a shock absorber to let the tree down softly. Yeah. You know, it might be, it is chipping away. It is like, it would be silly to, to say that it's not, but it also is lowering the tree down gently. And that gives me a lot more hope. Uh, like you said, instead of that violent cliff, we kind of like, you know, there's going to be some hard times um, and we're all going to have to huddle not just our Bitcoin, but like, hold on for dear life as we go through, like basically the sound barrier is going to be a blast at some point, but then it's going to be better. Um, and it's all well and fine to say that, but, uh, Jeff, thank you for stopping by the Stoa today. Thank you for spending your time, uh, advocating for the future that you want to see. Um, and to everyone listening, thanks for being here. And, you know, if you listen to an hour and a half of, um, Jeff and I, talk, then you're part of the solution. Also, you're taking responsibility for understanding something and, and hopefully everyone can adopt a sense of duty to kind of like do their part to contribute uh, and make sure that this, we just got to tell more people about the bridge. And so before we sign off, uh, is there anything you want to tell people, Jeff, or, or things uh, like, are you writing another book or anything you want to mention? <laughs> I, I get asked that all the time. I, it, I'll never say never, but, uh, but I didn't want to write the first book. If I get mad enough, uh, maybe, but, uh, but, but I, you, there's so many people in this community. There's so much great content in this community and it's getting better. It's the rate of, that it's getting better and better uh, all the time, tighter better more 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 advocates more the, signal too less noise i think less uh, exactly more signal less noise the rate of that, that that's going i i don't think i need to write another book um and and so so i'm just it, it, it's a privilege to be here and so thanks for having me you're very welcome anytime and i think sailor said at one point you know, he wrote the mobile wave and he's like, I'm not going to write another book. I can do way more by going on podcasts. And so I think maybe this is every podcast you go on is a page of your new book that you're leaving for the world. So thank you, Jeff. And thanks everyone for being here. Uh, if you enjoyed the conversation, you can support the project by going to bitcoinstoa.com, sending some stats to the QR code, or just sharing this with someone who maybe is at the right place to absorb this. So thanks for being here and ciao for now.